Hello everyone, welcome to Inspector Girls, the pod that tries to improve our FPL play through a more analytical approach. Uh, hopefully, as it's been so long, the stream is working okay, you guys can see and hear us. Please let us know in the chat, because uh, we've got a bit of a history, haven't we, Sam, <laughs> on that one? Um, we certainly do. We do. Um, how have you been, mate? It's been ages. Yeah, I'm good, thanks. I'm doing really well. Uh, enjoyed the World Cup. Um, enjoyed the football, at least. And, um, yeah, it's been nice to have a bit of a break from FPL as well. I had a bit of a disaster game week 16, so it was nice to then. Oh, ditto. Well, it's not been, I, I didn't, I honestly didn't check it until a couple of days ago. So it's been a couple of days of getting up to date with things, working out what the double game weeks are and the potential ones, putting together a couple of drafts. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to it now. Looking for, I always love Boxing Day football because you've got all the 3 p.m. games. I think they're all on Amazon again this year, so you mm. can see them all at the same time. Yeah, it'll be good fun. How are you doing? Yeah, man, I, I echo a lot of your thoughts there. I mean, Boxing Day is the best year in the calendar for a football fan and an FPL fan, isn't it? It's like I, sure. I could bin yeah. Christmas off easily if I didn't have kids. <laughs> like, Boxing Day is is definitely the one. Um, yeah, enjoyed a lot of the World Cup. Um, I, I ended up watching like the vast majority of games. Like some of the games maybe at work or with TV in the background and stuff, but the vast majority I got to, I got to watch. Uh, I don't know if you saw who just reminded me of what you said there. Do you see? I think it was Darren Huckabee. Did you see his tweet? Like human rights aside, that was a good World Cup, and you should have seen the. <laughs> Absolute banter replies. It's like yeah. <laughs> murders aside, Harris Shipman was a top doctor. Stuff, stuff, stuff. Like <laughs> yeah. Stuff. So Get yeah, off the mark from uh, Huckabee. Yeah, um, I mean it's a fair point to be fair, but yeah, I enjoyed the actual football in in places. I thought the refereeing mm. it was. I mean, it was weird. It started off like okay, I thought, and then towards the back end of it, especially in the, like the later stages, it seemed to completely lose its way. Um, but we're used to that, right? Being being fans of the Premier League, refereeing is a big part of a, of what we watch, I think, unfortunately. I think it's even more of a challenge at a World Cup because you've got referees from different countries who actually... Um, there's different culture around refereeing in different countries, but also they're slightly stricter on different rules. So you see even, even more consistency inconsistencies between games than if they're all referees within the same country. Go, um, go, yeah. But yeah, but I... Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it up until England went out. I was going because I thought we had a real chance. Uh, and then, and I felt we played well against France. And then I really enjoyed it beyond then when Messi started playing again, basically. And I was like, yeah, I was delighted he won it because, and by, for me, he just, he didn't need to prove anything in this tournament to be the best, Absolutely. at least of our, of our generation. But it's just amazing that he did it. Like, he just deserves it. And I think football deserved it. And the final was just perfect. Like, for Mbappe to score a hat trick, to see him at his mm. best. Well, to see him absolutely unbelievable under pressure for all three penalties and then the quality of that second goal he scored was amazing and then the drama of like Argentina being two up the Martinez save that nearly won it at the end of it, end of normal time that when Mbappe cut in at the end of extra time and nearly got a shot away and then ultimately for Messi to score what he thought was the winner in extra time and then for them still to win it it was just like so often those games don't live up to expectations mm -hmm. I think like you, particularly when it's particularly hyped around two players, as it was around Mbappe and Messi, and they just both were, <laughs> both lived up to it. And then, yeah, for me anyway, I like the outcome of it that that um, Argentina got the win. I thought it was brilliant, and I think it would be interesting now to see what Messi does. I think he'll. My prediction is he'll play a few games for Argentina as world champions and then retire. You reckon? Um, okay. In, retire, retire internationally. I mean, yeah, I don't know if he'll because the next Copa America is twenty twenty four, so I'm not sure if he'll keep playing for that. Maybe, maybe he will. I don't know. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I think when you've got to that level, like Ronaldo's showing, it's like you've, you've got all those records and stuff. Are you 
um, conscious enough of that that you want to keep it going. Um, mm. Ronaldo certainly is, <laughs> I think, yeah. to, probably to his detriment. Whether Messi will follow down the same route, it's like personality-wise, you'd expect probably not, but maybe he'd be tempted into it. I mean, clearly he's still... It's not a time to end now, playing football particularly, is it? I mean, you can see how good he no. still is. So I don't think that really makes sense. And so maybe he carries on for a bit, but it does. It, we love the fairy tale ending, don't we? I think, and it kind of is a fairy tale ending for Messi if he does do it. So you often, it's like it's like the Office. You know, you want to quit while you're ahead. You don't want to make season three and four or five and, and ruin the whole shebang. So maybe, <laughs> maybe you'll do that. Um, yeah, I just it was it's fantastic. I mean, we could bang on about it forever. I really enjoyed watching the games, lived up to it. Um, and again, I'm with you. I wanted Messi to win it if England weren't. I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed with England thing. I know you're a massive England fan. Like, I'm not so much of an England fan. I haven't been particularly a big fan of Southgate, but I think he did really well at this World Cup. I think that he made a lot of good good selections. And it's just, it's kind of annoying that we didn't beat France, I guess, because I feel like if we had, we, you know, I know people who say English people get overhyped and stuff. I'm not one of those guys, but in this tournament, I feel like if we'd have got through France, we had a really good shot of winning it. Like, I think we mm -hmm. could have done well. You know, maybe, maybe we'd have been beaten by Argentina in the final or whatever would have happened or even lost the next round. But um, yeah, I, I feel like we had a, you know, a really good chance. And it's just that feeling that it slips away, right? Every, every, every new tournament, you know, things will change. Your players get a little bit older. I think in, in the likes of Kane and stuff, it's like, you know, there's probably not too much long left for Kane, I would say. But then again, you've got people like Lewandowski and stuff at his age still still playing well for Poland. So maybe not. But yeah, I, I guess that's the, the main sort of bugbear is the fact that you feel like you've missed your opportunity with the last two tournaments with England, right? With such a good team. But we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I, I do think the next two are even more exciting because of Bellingham. Saka's still young. Foden's still young. Yeah. Stones will only be in his early thirties then, so I, I do think there's. I think we'll keep. I actually think we'll keep going better. Um, but yeah, it, it was a missed opportunity. But yeah, I thought we were, were quite unlucky. Yeah, it was great stuff. Anyway, hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, back to FPL anyway, and, and like you, I've just completely avoided it all, which I think is the sensible thing to do. Come back into it raw. Uh, sort of started looking probably in the last like day or two. Um, I've made a team which we'll look through later, um, and then like since made another team which I'm considering changing to because I think we've had one of the advantages of us going late anyway here was that we've ended up getting a lot more of the information in terms of I mean the information was probably already there but Ben Krillin started putting out percentages of extra double game weeks I wasn't totally aware of mm. um, you've got the Mitrovic news where potentially he's he's out for game week one uh, obviously all the press conferences as well so a little bit more information um, obviously affects things as it should do so yeah we'll go through those two at the end some talk on Man City as well because I keep getting questions from people about Man City I mean that's not um, out of the normal but I think particularly with so many games and so many doubles um, you know people have got a heavy focus on trying to get two or three in their teams for, for those reasons so yeah I'll talk a little bit about that towards the end as well um, what were we going to go through first I'm trying to look through my order now I can't even bring it up <laughs> I guess just going on from what we're chatting about the World Cup because I think we probably expected that this podcast we'd be talking a lot about how much how many minutes the player's going to play off the back of it etc yeah but i would say in general because of the teams that got to the semi-final and the lack of players well lack of premier league players but also lack of fpl assets within those four teams um there's probably less to discuss there than we thought there might be if um other teams had got there mm. um so i wouldn't i was from my i don't know don't know what your thoughts are that are on that loop but my thoughts were that the teams that went out in the quarterfinals they already had two weeks to recover anyway so it's a pretty decent break and of those players a lot of them there's someone like Foden he didn't even start every game for example same for like Rashford etc 
So for some of them, they would have been playing less minutes than they would have been doing at club level. Plus, they've got those two-week breaks. I think the quarter finalists in my head, I always thought they'll generally be fine. And then the semi-finalists was more team-dependent, depending on, well, team and player-dependent, depending on their team itself in terms of how keen the manager is or the staff are to just get those players back on the pitch. Uh, the players in terms of how many minutes they actually played, whether they played in the third place playoff, etc. Um, but there really aren't that many players, if any, from the, those four teams that we need to think about that for. No, no that's fair. Um, people in the chat say my audio is really echoey. I don't know how to solve that. I'm trying to. Let me know. I'll try and mute when Sam talks. Maybe that'll work. Um, how can I do that? I don't even know how to do that. He says he can do it. He doesn't know how to do it on this chat. Is it really? If it's really bad, guys. Let me know. But I think I might just turn down my volume while I'm talking, uh, whilst I'm talking, and turn mine back up. That's how skilled I am at this sort of stuff. Um, yeah. Echo on the sound. Hmm. Is it echo on the sound talks or just the background? Because I've got like three people in my house talking and doing stuff in the background, which is kind of annoying. It's just when you talk, yeah. <clears throat> it's good because people hear it twice, mate, and sometimes you say stuff that's important. People need to hear it again. <laughs> How about that, guys? Is that better? Sam's audio is perfect. Oh, thank you very much. No surprise there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, you've got a perfect track record there. Is that okay, guys? It's my audio, not what I'm saying. <laughs> I don't know. let's carry on and then hopefully I can kind of make tweaks as we go along yeah it, it's difficult because it's unprecedented isn't it this whole World Cup and mm. the minutes played uh, he says they say all oh, good for now okay better alright let me know if it, it changes because yeah I am conscious of that sweet uh, yeah it's, it's unprecedented isn't it, to have it in the middle of, of the, of the um, season and we know from experience that players that go to long international tournaments in the summer and stuff generally get given some extra time to recuperate because, I mean, it's their time off at the end of the day. They are paid to be a player, but they have to have some time off and it's a really strenuous season. For them to bang it in the middle, it's difficult to see where it lands. We can see already that some you know the players that have gone to the finals, like McAllister and stuff, have been given weeks off and have been told for their certain teams. And I guess every team and player is going gonna, is gonna to be an independent thought process. Like, they're going to judge it individually. But... In general, I think I, I don't think you can give them too much time off. You know, they, they literally left when they were fully fit. They've been playing and training presumably the whole time, and then they come back. So it's almost like an extended Champions League in terms of fitness, really, like break. I don't think the fitness issues will be too much of an issue, I wouldn't have thought, across the board. It's, I'd say it's more the mental side, right, more than anything. The fact that you've been heavily focused on a different area, a different team, not training with your teammates, you know, all going for the World Cup or whatever. You know, then obviously the mental aspect of when you got knocked out and the impact it might have on you and stuff like that, and then just having a, a, a mental break essentially before having to go again would probably be the main the main thing. Um, that coupled yeah. with these days, I suppose the teams are so heavily focused on the system, the players who you're playing with, that I think it sends the wrong message for managers sometimes to just bring a player straight back in and just play him when he's been using the players that he's got around him. They've been trying to impress him. They've been following his tactics. And then suddenly you go, oh, I don't care about that because you're not good enough. So we'll bring this guy back in and you just go straight back in. So there's, there's definitely some considerations. I do think the first game on Boxing Day, um, the lineups will be a bit iffy across the board. I don't think it will be as straightforward as just everyone comes back in and starts. I mean, obviously, I'm going to talk about City later, but you know there are players like... You know, you almost get, as usual with Pep, you get one message saying we've got no players 
like it's going to be tough and then the next message is all the players that are away are actually fitter than the ones I've got here um, yeah. you know then he plays the League Cup game versus Liverpool and he doesn't use some of the players the English players in particular he brought someone as a sub um, you know Cancelo didn't start he was away so how much do we know about whether they're going to start I mean I see a lot of teams with the likes of Cancelo you know Walker you've got Foden you've got the English guys in there as well Stones maybe a consideration you know, will they start on Boxing Day um we just don't know, do we? I don't think we're going to get the information. But is it enough to completely change your team if they're just going to miss one? Because we've got the kind of the opportunity to pick a squad of fifteen. So I, th- I think what we will say, what, what I will say is, I think we'll probably get a lot of hot takes, particularly on Man City, if like the first lineup doesn't include some of the players, like I.e. Foden doesn't start. You know, suddenly Foden's not in favour again. But it might not be that at all. It might just be that he's not fully fit. I mean, he only got twenty minutes the other night or whatever it was, thirty minutes. So yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of issues that I don't think we're actually going to get the answer to or have a, a resolution. We're just going to have to wait and see. Um, for me, the overriding factor is if the player is generally favoured before the World Cup and is a very good player, <laughs> there's a very good chance that he'll come back into the team sooner rather than later, right? So it might not be the first game, but very very quickly afterwards. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And for some of them, so for example, a player that's not gone to the World Cup, like Salah um, or anyone else in the Man, just using Man City as an example, um, they won't have played, I mean, they'll have played a couple of friendlies, or some of them have played friendlies in the last couple of weeks, uh, and that's good for getting match fitness back. But during that period where they weren't playing friendlies, you can't, you really can't replicate match fitness within training. You can come close, you can come close to it and replicate the amount of running, but it's the unpredictability of the type of running, uh, the impacts through tackles, etc., that you just can't replicate. Mm. That the, the sudden changes in direction that happen, and you, you can't do that through a drill um, that are just really unpredictable and trying to adjust, etc. Which is why fatigue after a game is so often so high. Um, but for a player like I think Rashford's a really example of where I think he'll be in a really good place because he played enough games. Well, he started one game, didn't he? Which was the game where he scored. Did he score a hat trick or scored a brace? It was a brace, remember. wasn't it? Yeah, it was a brace. Yeah, and then I, I don't think he started another, did he? But he um, no, he didn't. But he played minutes in a lot of the others, so he's yeah. probably had minutes to tick him over had a bit of a break but yeah you don't know how psychologically it will impact different players um as well and what the um you know, the benefits are of the manager or the coach having more time with the players that are at home as well to instill certain things um so yeah i think it's i think it's hard to predict but in general i would say uh, i don't think we'll have a, a, as big an impact as we thought it would before the world cup because of the nature of the teams who made it to the latter stages yeah, ultimately these t- these guys are paying the Premier players a hell of a lot of money to turn up to work and play for them. And like I say, it's not the end of the season, so it's almost like okay, yeah, you've had some time off. It's well, not time off, time away, but we need to get back to it. I'm literally paid to win football matches, and when the Premier League starts, so you're gonna have to get back into it. I think Ten Hag said something similar about one of his players. You're like, basically, I'm sorry, but you, you're gonna have to play. So, um, yeah, I think I think in the for the vast majority, they will be back in. I just wanted to touch on what you said there about Rashford. I think that you know that's an example where I see a lot, and I, I, I agree with that. But I think also there's going to be a lot of almost hindsight, I guess, where people are going to go, "Oh yeah, this player was obviously going to do good because he didn't get a chance to show what he could do at the World Cup, and he's angry, so therefore he really wanted to show." <laughs> and I've seen that sort of stuff already, and then it, it can go so many different ways there, right? You know, you've got, I think Madison was touted as one of those, and now potentially he's got a knee injury and. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how much you, it's going to come down to an individual basis, and a lot of the time those takes will probably happen after the players either scored points or not scored points, and then suddenly it should have been obvious that this player should have been good or not good because of these particular circumstances. It's very tricky to get yourself 
uh, messed up with all that, I think, because it can lead you down some yeah. wrong paths. But anyway, I, I do agree on the Rashford one. I mean, he looks good, hasn't he, the whole time he's played. The minutes things make sense. Mm. Um, but it's more to do with the fact for me that Man United have got ridiculous three fixtures and he's a, he's a great fantasy asset, I would say, for those three fixtures, yeah. isn't it? And, and, and that Man United have improved this season as well mm. as a team. Uh, not, I wouldn't don't think he's suddenly a good asset just because of those two goals he no. scored against no. uh, uh, Wales or you. I can't remember who it was now. Wales, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was sort of similar to the stuff before the World Cup about our oh, Madison's was playing scoring loads of goals and people saying, "Always, oh, it's no surprise because he's got a point to prove. He needs to be at the World Cup." But then, like loads of like James Ward-Prowse played terribly up until the World Cup. I'm sure he, sure he wanted to go. Yeah. He just suddenly suddenly decide. Yeah, if only you could just decide those things. Exactly. <laughs> decide when to play well. Yeah. Absolutely, that'd be awesome. Um, okay, let's move on, shall we? So we're going to bring up. Um, did you want to look at the double game week thing first, or did you want to look at the XG data? Which one have we got? Um, um, let's get the go for the the data. The data, sorry. Cool, cool. Um, so if we bring up, this is Chase's graphics on FPL. I think he's used across many pods now because the guy's an absolute legend. Um, we have explained it in the past, but essentially it's a rolling. XG conceded so if you look at the bottom you can see the dates uh, and these are adjusted based on the opponent so the the long story short is if you're near the top you're pretty damn good if you're near the bottom you're not so good um, as you can see the line the dotted line is sort of the last four months there um, leading up to where we are now so you can sort of see the general improvement so that's the idea of it is seeing how teams fluctuate now you look at Arsenal for example they are pretty much around the one mark consistently um, towards the back end of the last four months a little dip even down to the 0.7 so if anything probably slightly getting better defensively um, so yeah that's that's quite key I mean they've been great all mm. season as well this is obviously the expected data but in reality they've also been very good in terms of the results um, you know West Ham probably not so much there the data has been very good for XG conceded uh, really uh, especially in the last four months Actual clean sheet points wise, I can't particularly remember, but I don't think it was great. It, well, clean sheet points wise, there's not actually that many, but they've conceded one in loads of games. Right, right. So in terms of just goals conceded, I think it's like the fourth or fifth least. So they are doing well, but it's just not actually turning to that many clean sheets. Yeah, but then of course the, the signs are there that it that it should do right, and eventually it could do. Um, I know we've had this reset, and and things could dramatically change from this point, as as we just discussed. You know, it's a bit of an unknown, but uh, in general, I mean, the same players are there. Um, you know, you'd like to think that the trend would continue. I think that's sort of the base that I would go from, right? And then obviously you adjust your thinking maybe after that. But I would expect that it would continue how it is uh, for the for the vast majority. You can see there's not huge fluctuations, but that's what's designed in this. It's to it's to make sure that it doesn't, you know, uh, adjust so vastly um, in such a short period of time because we can often go one way or the other. I can't be and say, oh, this team's terrible. This team's fantastic, and it's like, well, give them four or five games and they start to settle back down. So I really do like it. But there's a lot of teams, anything to take away from some of the teams here that are obviously under consideration because the fixtures moving forward are obviously the main reason to pick um, our players. But there's there's this sort of data underlying behind them which suggests a few things, I think. So anything you picked out? I think Man United's one of them. So they've clearly improved uh, recently. And since September, well, they were really poor at the beginning of the season again, but then they've suddenly improved. And I think that's when Ten Hag start to change personnel more uh, at centre-back as well. So I think there's there's decent reason to assume that United's defence has improved now, um, and maybe those signings uh, made in the summer, like Martinez, for example, are starting to now make more of an impact. Um, and I think, yeah, like you said, this is why this is helpful. So, for example, um, 
another one is West Ham. Like what you mentioned about West Ham is really important because after one month of the season or that first twelve game rolling average, when they'd improved, you'd say, Well, it's only one it's only one time period. You know, it could just be random that that's happened to have happened. Uh, but now we've seen it for that 12-game rolling average four times in a row for the last four months. Yeah. So there's pro- so And that's so, signif- so significantly different to the end of last season. So I think there's good reason to think actually West Ham probably have improved. And, and they've not had a huge change in personnel, so it's probably a tactical thing. Um, so I think now is an interesting time to look at it when we're nearly you know, every team's nearly played everyone once um, as well. So yeah, United stick out for me. I think that's interesting, uh, particularly because of the really good three fixtures. I think that makes... Shaw and Dallow uh, uh, viable picks. Um, I think also here, and we've seen it already, but you're seeing more and more just the impact that Rudiger leaving Chelsea has had. Again, opposite to West Ham. Really good defence last year. And then the drop-off has been like really instant from when the season started. So I think a lot of that is probably down to uh, Rudiger leaving. That's the obvious thing that they're sending about going. Um, so that's also an interesting one because... Um, of Chelsea double game weeks and potential double game weeks as well. Um, yeah, let's talk, yeah let, well, let's talk about that well, because that data is bad for Chelsea. There's no two ways mm. about it. They're right near the bottom and progressively getting worse, it, it suggests. Um, you know, you, you mentioned the Rudiger thing. I do think that's a factor. I think the fitness of their centre midfielders has been a problem all season. You know, there, there's also the manager change and then this sort of change in in setups almost a four at the back I think he's used more often than not at the moment that might be due to personnel available more than anything else you know the injuries to the players but but Reese James has not been fit for a lot of that as well yeah. so where are we on that because he sat in my team I see him sat on nearly everyone's team in in Twitter as well is that is do you think it's blind faith or should we read something into this and just say like as good as the fixtures are you know it's, it might not happen for them I think it partly comes down to how much you trust Potter I think if it was the same manager or maybe a different manager I'd be less keen on him, but I just trust Potter because he was so good defensively at Brighton in terms of their underlying data was always so good. I think once he's had time with that, those players, they'll improve. Plus what you've said about the injuries and just when James plays, like he's just so ridiculous, isn't he? And he's not, it's a very different scenario, I think, to Alexander-Arnold, which I think we'll come on to in terms of budget and how much he costs because James is that much cheaper mm. um, as well. It's slightly more justifiable to own him uh, given his attacking output uh, despite the potential, yeah, less clean sheets. Whereas if he was like 7.5, like Trent, when suddenly we think, oh, maybe they're not going to get as many clean sheets, um, suddenly that's a big problem. Uh, whereas I think he's an interesting one because of it, because of his price still, and I don't doubt will still be great going forward. But I'll, yeah, he's in my draft at the moment. But I'm nervous about owning him because the the amount that Potter rotated as well mm. in those last few weeks after he joined was like cra- crazy amounts. Like yeah. it was completely unpredictable some weeks who he'd play. It, um, it is a little bit of faith, isn't it, at the end of the day? Mm. It, that, I think that's that, that's what it is. I mean, it's faith in the manager, but it's also... They have a very, very good team there on paper. You know, they've had Fafana got injured um, as well, who was bought for a lot of money. And we know he is a good defender, uh, at least in his attributes. Um, Thiago Silva's obviously there ageing, but still obviously a very... I mean, he's arguably the best defender. I'd say Koulibaly's been a bit of a letdown. You know, I didn't know too much about him before he came to this league. Just all the hype that he was obviously ridiculously good. I don't think he's really shown that for Chelsea so far. I think he's been a bit suspect. Um, mm. But I guess it's the faith that those players are, are good enough and that Potter will be able to put them together. But it's been quite a long time that we've been expecting this now. Not, not just from Potter. I'm on about the similar thing happened with Tuchel, right? He's obviously a top-class manager as well. And he struggled to get them all working together as well at times. 
Um, you know, if Reese James is suddenly going to be a right back in a back four, is he going to be as impactful as a two-chill wing back? You know, who had that particular system? It, it, yeah, there's an element of faith here, isn't it? I, I'm with you. At the end of the day, the fixtures are good enough, his history is good enough, and he's cheap enough where I think that you give it a go. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if, um, yeah, the rotation, the injuries, because he's got a bad injury record as it is, if they get double game weeks, is he going to play Reese James? Just It's not just about, like, can he play the games? It's more about, well, do I want to risk losing James for the entire rest of the season? Because he's got a history of when he plays a lot of games consistently, you know, he could he could do something again, right? So it might be more about, well, I'll play Aspilicueta in the second game of the double because I don't want his hamstring to go ping rather than I think he can't do it. Does, it, does that make sense? I mean, that, that could be a thing as well, right? But uh, I think I'm still going there, but I just... I mean, the data does suggest that it's probably not an ideal pick. It is very much a fixtures pick and a price thing, I think, more than anything else. But Yeah, yeah, maybe one to reconsider then. Cucurella is an interesting one. But I think there's, again, there's a reason why you, you, if you go on Twitter and go through people's drafts, James is literally the only Chelsea defender you'll mm. see from people's teams. Uh, and Kepa, cause, again, because Kepa, of Kepa's price. Um, like It's all about fixtures, and historically we know James is really good. Whereas Cucurella is even cheaper than James, but you're not seeing him because of how outrageous James is going forward when he plays minutes. So mm. that's, I think, this, the thing people are banking on. Because in terms of like expected minutes, like I'd probably have Cucurella maybe even slightly higher than James. Yeah, I probably would have him higher than James because of that lack of like... Chilwell's out, isn't he? Yeah, and the lack of injury history. So I think Cucurella is like completely viable as an alternative. And that in a few weeks could look really clever if James only plays half the games and Cucurella plays all of them. Yeah, someone saying West Ham have improved. We've got massive injury issues. Oh, yeah, interesting. That's a fair point. Yeah, and their squad's probably not as uh, as in depth as some of these top teams, is it? That can cope with them as easily. I think when they start bringing in some of their reserves, West Ham, you notice it very quickly. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm happy to roll with James. I just don't know whether. I mean, five point eight million. I think if it, if you got the fixtures are so good to begin with, and then you've got the double, so I think it kind of makes sense. Then after that, I'm. Before Reese James was a lock, like there'd be no consideration for me to get rid of him. After that, um, I think you know, sort of, if you haven't got Gabriel, for example, and you haven't got three Arsenal to move down to a Gabriel or someone around that price, or you mentioned Dallow and Shaw. I know their fixtures go a bit difficult, and ideally you want them to begin with, but they're they're probably um, I think they were injury doubts at least in Dallow's case. But the the point is, there are options probably just cheaper that you can move to all across the board. Maybe Man City have an option around that price if he starts playing consistently. You know, they've got quite a few defence centre backs mm. around that price, so there are other options. So I think it's worth it. But I thought it was worth pointing out because Chelsea are just so desperately low on that on that um, graph there. Yeah, they really are. So surprising. <laughs> yeah. The, um, the other thing I'd I think the only other team I pick up pick out from here that like is you know of interest or surprising is. So Everton are right near the bottom there, but they've only conceded 17 goals this season. So I'd say Everton have been really, really lucky to only concede that amount of goals. Yeah. Or maybe that's Pick- Pickford playing particularly well in terms of his shot stopping. But, but I mean, I wouldn't mention that normally, but I know a lot of people are considering Patterson or Bueno from Wolves. So for me, that's the thing that swings it. I just think you're more likely to get a, a random Wolves clean sheet if they end up coming off the bench for you. Yeah, I completely agree. I think Bueno's a much better, better pick than Patterson, personally. The, the thing with Bueno is we don't know he's nailed on, whereas Patterson, we, I know Coleman's there, but I think he's well above him. I don't think that will be an issue. Maybe Coleman gets one game or something like that, mm. but with Bueno, we're not 100%, are we? Different manager as well, so you know that re- almost resets again. Um, he has been really good when he's played, um, so I suspect he's, he's first, but he, 
we could be in a situation where he's just not like straight away from the beginning he, he doesn't start like that could happen that is a possibility yeah. so that that's his downside but yeah in terms of the data I'd pick the Wolves guy over Patterson all day um, I do think it's quite important to try and have 15 players as well at this stage because we're given the opportunity we're about to go into a heavily congested period there's doubles all over the place it can save you transfers right there's often yeah. we, we know that the Premier League as much as the the fixture gurus do their work and it's you know it's amazing work we do know that sometimes they can surprise us as well with random stuff that wasn't considered i'm not saying therefore walls have suddenly got a double game week but you know a cancellation of movement you know it, to have 15 people i think like viable is part of it so to yeah. swing it back around the other way i can understand why people have gone patterson over bueno it's just yeah sure <laughs> not, not, yeah, yeah. not particularly confident on either of them that's that's what i take from it i, I actually would rather <laughs> try and find an alternative option just in case yeah just Wolves. one other thing I wanted to pick out here is Brighton. Is Brighton? Yes. Look yeah. how high they are. I mean, from watching and since Dzibri come in, the whole sort of um, feeling around them is that they'll concede a lot of goals because he's done that previously and he's very offensive. And there's been a lot of games I've watched where I felt like goals are flying in left, right, and centre. But at least on the data, there's not too much of a change. If anything, they've improved in the last four months. I don't know how yeah. long of that Dzibri's actually mm-hmm. been in charge, but. Um, it gives me a little bit more confidence because I think they're doubles and fixtures and stuff. I was hesitant to maybe have a Sanchez or a Dunks thinking they're not really going to get clean sheets. But um, this suggests that they, they could do. They could they could be fine. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm yeah, more, someone, yeah. Someone, just, someone just mentioned that bit Sam Bobs in the comments as well just said downgrade. Oh, yeah. I think they're probably talking about, I think that was probably when we were talking about James, downgrade to Brighton defender could be useful if they get doubles. And I agree with that, yeah. Mm. Um, just in, in general, like a Brighton defender could be really helpful or the double up of... Uh, Kepa and Sanchez maybe because um, if they do double they'll be in different weeks and you could play one in each um, but we'll move on to those potential doubles soon yeah apparently there's a chance they could double in the same week but it's okay yeah it's it's not nothing's nothing certain um, yeah. I, th- I think Dunk at 4.7 um, you know compared to Patterson and uh, Bueno it's like 0. 0.7 0. 0.8 more it's, it's a reasonable amount but I think you'll probably get that back I would suggest if those doubles do happen and just in general just having the the better player who you can use and save a transfer it's hard to judge the value of stuff when you don't have to take hits or or use transfers you don't want to later down the season isn't it it's like a almost a hidden part of the game i guess you know a lot of the top guys who run from the analytical circles have really strong 15s and you know each week i'm sort of scrambling to put a team together because i'm trying taking all these risks around my edge pieces and maybe even have to consider a hit and these guys are just like, sort of absorb it so easily um yep. and that's part of it i guess yeah, I'm not very good at that either. <laughs> no, no, I just I want all my often, money in the 11. It's just, it's so hard, but yeah. I think yeah, I quite often just have like a playing first sub and that's it. And it can, some seasons I've really got away with that. Uh, but yeah, I think the more and more I've played FPL, with every season that gets harder to deal with, just because there tends to be more fixtures and also bigger squads. So more benchings and teams more like to rotate. So I think every year that's becoming more and more important every season. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Um, let's move on to XG. So um, won't spend quite as long here, but um, obviously similar to the last one. This shows us the rolling pattern. Teams at the top, good. Teams at the bottom, bad. Um, yeah. Newcastle obviously flying, you know, showing it's no fluke. Um, you know, Spurs are probably maybe a little bit higher than than people may realise because um, I think the, the narrative around them is that they're not a particularly good attacking side. It's basically just all Kane, but their data still remains pretty damn strong um, overall. Man United right up there. Leeds are an interesting one. I mean, I, I posted something before the World Cup um, about the fact that Bamford and Rodrigo are in sort of the top 10, or maybe even top five, non-penalty 
XGI for forwards. Um, per 90, is that? Yeah, per 90. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the problem with them is exactly that, the fact that you don't know who's going to yeah. start and what their minutes are. But if one's injured or one's not, I think Leeds' run is actually really interesting. Like I think it, maybe it starts off quite tough and then straight away goes very good. Um, and if you, Rodrigo is a very sneaky pick because potentially he's on penalties as well, right? If he can stay fit and stay in the mm. team. Interesting. I, I, I do really like that. I think he's under the radar. Um, but yeah, it's, it's the whole minutes thing. He's cheap enough where you could probably absorb it. But yeah, there's some interesting thought. I mean, Arsenal, Liverpool still good in attack. Arsenal still good in attack. Man City, these are the players that we're filling our teams with because of the, the circumstance and the fixtures. But it's nice to know, similar to the beginning of the season, that the teams with the decent fixtures that we want are also some of the best teams. It just keeps working <laughs> yeah. out that way, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's like the beginning of the season, that's exactly what we said, wasn't it? Like the teams who had good fixtures were the good teams. So that was why there was such a strong template. And yeah, there's not, there's not like with Liverpool, for example, based on that last slide, there's, if you suddenly had double Liverpool defence, you'd be panicking or you won't consider double Liverpool defence or maybe even one of them now. Whereas there's and there's, and there's reasons for that as well with them being an ageing team, maybe to do with Van Dijk's uh, ACL injury. Maybe maybe that's having a long-term impact on him. Injured defensive midfielders, um, etc. Um, whereas going forwards, like again, you can see there there's a little bit of a drop-off, um, but they're still one of the best attacking teams uh, in the league quite comfortably and it's just whether you think that'll stay the same or or how much you think that'll be impacted by no Jota, no Diaz, because it will be impacted by that. Well, we'd expect it to be. Um, but whether that's to an extent that therefore it's worth considering no Salah or going without Darwin, for example, that's the interesting thing. Yeah, yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, the Salah conversation is interesting because he, he is so expensive and mm. unlike other seasons, there are alternatives and there are obviously, Haaland's obviously there as the captain. So I think it's more of a question than it's ever been um, since he's been in the league, for sure. Um, but yeah, the data still remains strong. And I think his main ace up his sleeve is really that, uh, for me, if you if you are not going to captain Haaland or the Man City have a difficult fixture or maybe Haaland's going to miss a game, or get injured, then obviously you've got you've got Salah there ready to go, right? And he's Mr. Reliable, he's Mr. Dependable in mm. that area. That's his main sort of perk. I'd also add in that um, it just seems to make sense in general because of the pricing of the players. It's like you don't, by sacrificing Salah to then improve the rest of your team, how much do you actually improve it? Because there's a number of pretty good cheap picks just across the board in all positions. So yeah. it suddenly becomes like... Um, yeah, are you doing it for for the sake of doing it more than it making sense? But yeah, um, I don't really have any concerns around the Liverpool tack overall. I think like you touched on it there, the the defense has been ropey, but you made the loss of Mane may affect that in terms of the pressing and the way they've set up. I mean, obviously that's a huge part of how teams defend now. It is from the front, isn't it? Um, you've got Fabinho that I think has had a very noticeable drop off. You know, a lot of the time with teams like that, it's about stopping the transitions. Man City literally show us, you know, if you dominate the game, dominate the ball, and you might give up one or two really decent high XG chances in the match, but that will be it. And that's simply because you haven't stopped the transition where you've ended up one-on-one, mm. on one, two-on-two at the back. And, you know, Liverpool do play with a high line. So sorting all that situation out is probably the important thing. I'd still rather have that that than a, the team that concedes multiple chances, like all over the place, if you know what I mean. And uh, it's just got lucky rather than the other way around where the data looks good. And they think, because you see that a lot, don't you? Like, oh, the data looks mm. good, but they always seem to concede one goal. Well, um, you know, there's, there will come a point where they won't concede that one goal and they'll still end up with 10, yeah. 10 15, 20 clean sheets at the end of the season, like usual. Yeah, anything else yeah. to take away from the, from this then, um, from yourself? I mean, uh, Chelsea are terrible again att- offensively, but I don't think we're considering any of their, their attacking yeah, bright, options. Yeah, like, bright, Brighton are 
improved based on this slightly on last season. So the fact they've got a double, you can invest in their attack as well. And then what you said about Newcastle, like I think there's reason to believe that like they've significantly improved as a team. Like what we're seeing this season in like them challenging for the Champions League even is crazy. And um, uh, yeah, a lot of that's to do with personnel they've signed, but a massive amount of it's to do with Eddie Howe because a lot of that core of that team is still the same. And even players they've signed, like spent a lot of money on Isaac. He's been injured a lot of the time. Um, so yeah, I was very, very sceptical about them getting Eddie Howe in the first place because of his defensive record at Bournemouth. But at both ends of the pitch, he's, I think he's, even when you consider the signings, I think he's massively improved them. And individuals have improved as well massively. Like Almiron, it's not like he's, it's not similar to, for example, uh, like Jesse Lingard when he was at West Ham a couple of seasons ago or last season where he was scoring, but it was always low XG chances and it was clearly just a hot streak. He's getting lots of chances in, in, in every game. Like he's right up there for underlying data. So yeah, fair play to Almiron and at his price, he's a he's going to be a great pick, I'm sure, at various times, um, pretty consistently throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, I kind of want like nine midfield picks. It's really annoying. It's like... Um... <laughs> Almiron just makes so much sense because of his price and the fixtures are fine, but mm. it's just like while there's doubles and stuff going on, I think you can you can ignore him and maybe come back to him later. Um, and I, I think I, you're probably right. Yeah, yeah, that's where I am at the moment, but I'm fully prepared to get punished for that decision yet again. Um, mm. Let's move on to uh, you've given us this graph, which um, hopefully it's not too blurry for you guys because we tried to blow it up, but um, it basically suggests the probability of double game weeks, right? Because we've got some more that yeah. could that could drop in. I don't know if you want to explain it a little bit. This is on. This is based on what's on FPL Review, and also based a lot on what Ben Krellen forecasts in terms of the percentage chance of games being doubles. And this is given to us, always posted on Twitter by a guy called Rob T. So we asked him if we could share it. So I'd give Rob, um, if you just search Rob T FPL, give him a follow because he, he's posts other really good graphics as well. Really enjoyed following him. But essentially, what you see on the left is the percentage chance of the fixtures within that same row uh, occurring. So we know there's a 12, well, based on uh, Ben's predictions, which is definitely our best guess because he's the best at working these things out. He thinks there's a 12% chance that those four fixtures, Man City, Tottenham, Brighton, Palace, Arsenal, Everton, Chelsea, Liverpool, are the four fixtures that occur um, within um, within uh, those five game weeks. So you can see at the top, uh, above each of those five columns, you can see the percentage chance um, of each of those fixtures occurring within each of those individual game weeks in general. But we can see, if we just look at the top few rows, you can see actually what's the most likely occurrence, which is City Toplum, you know, extremely likely. Um, it's likely that it's going to be Brighton against Palace, then likely Arsenal Everton, and then maybe Chelsea Liverpool as well. So I just think that's really interesting. And it's just an interesting discussion about what do you presume, because suddenly... You can make a decision on the fact that there's seventy percent chance the fixture is going to happen, but then we just know within a second suddenly that seventy percent is going to be either zero or zero percent or one hundred percent. So uh, I think you've just got to, like for me, it's definitely worth. It makes that that first column's easy because we're going to have triple Man City anyway. I, I imagine most people will. I don't know if they will. You know, game I think, week twenty. I think I think everyone will have Haaland. I think that's like yeah. obviously for certain. Um, after that, you've obviously got De Bruyne. Foden, Cancelo, Edison, and then maybe you can look at one of the other defenders if you're feeling fruity. Yep. But I think in general people will have Haaland and then maybe one, like probably one other. And but then getting three, I haven't seen that many people with three. I think Cancelo. Sure, but sure, but I think most people will start with two, and then it's either way. It's and then move to, to one. three. 
Yeah, it's easier to if, if we know we need to. Yeah, yeah. If, if you're not going De Bruyne over Salah, for example, which are, which is most people there have got three, then it's probably mm. likely Cancelo and Haaland, and then you haven't got that third, and then maybe you move to him, like you say. Um, it's probably wise then to leave the option open for another defender or for Foden, depending on how things are. Yeah, um, quite possibly. For De Bruyne. But you're yeah. right. The fact that Man City have got the good games, you know, they're the best team in the league really and um, they've got other doubles means that you don't have to worry about that one too much right I'd say for Spurs um, it's quite tricky to pick their assets just given the the, the best ones cost a hell of a lot of money um, and obviously away to Man City is probably not one of the best double game weeks in the world either so it's generally an avoid there I'd say but Kulazeski has obviously got some decent fixtures is cheap enough to consider I think he's definitely in the frame yep and the, yeah and then I would say in terms of like we know that Chelsea double anyway. Is the thing in nineteen, isn't it, mm. against City? So that just makes it you maybe more likely to go with them, even though that extra games against Man City, based on the fact they might have another one in a couple of weeks, um, as well. So that I think that gives us reason to maybe have one or two Chelsea players. But I think Brighton's a really interesting one because I think if we knew one hundred percent Brighton had a double, you'd see most teams would have uh, two Brighton players. I think in them. The double would be see... fairly good as well, wouldn't it? When I look, yeah. looked at it, I think is they're away to Leicester in twenty-one as it is, so there could be a way to Leicester, and then a way to Bournemouth, which I think's mm. a fine double, or home to Palace. Is that right? So it could, it's basically one of those two fixtures will go into mm. that place probably. Yeah. So I mean, given I, I, it seems like it's a reasonably good good chance, and this is what what brings me back to the dunk thing, or maybe a Sanchez in goal. I think having one of those as one of your edge pieces. It's probably quite sensible because they're a good pick anyway. Like even if they don't get the double game week, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. So it kind of makes sense. And you could then start with Trussard or Gross, for example. But if you don't, um, because of Man's, Man United's three fixtures being really, really good from 17 to 19, it might be that in 20 to 21, that's an easy switch to Trussard, for example. Yeah, I think um, Rashford to Trossard or Gross after three weeks makes a lot of sense. You know, depending yeah. on whether we get the doubles or not, obviously. Um, but yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense around the prices as well. Yeah, just thought this is a yeah, a really helpful graphic. And again, Arsenal's an interesting one because um, I think, like initially when I, I saw a few people posting drafts like during the World Cup and they all had like triple Arsenal. Whereas I think as we're getting close to Boxing Day, I'm seeing more that just have two Arsenal players mm. and more people dropping, dropping Saka or Martinelli. I think most people will have an Arsenal defender. White and Gabriel seem to be really popular. And that makes a lot of sense given the fixtures and this potential double um, but yeah, I think it'll be, be home to Man United and home to Everton. I mean, two home fixtures. Everton are yeah. obviously right near the bottom. Um, it's a pretty good double, isn't it? I would say just a have, brilliant double. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just having the home to Everton fixture is good enough. But if you can get the player that plays both of those games, um, it seems a pretty damn good one. And and again, I think the idea that people say, "Oh, it's not really a double because they're playing uh, whoever." So in the example of Spurs, oh, it's not really a double because they're playing Man City. Oh, that's nonsense as well. It's like mm. a guaranteed. It's a guarantee. It's the player who plays. It's a guaranteed two points, mm. and it's and it's potentially ninety minutes where they could find something like it's just. Otherwise, they'd be no point playing any players when they ever play Man City. Yeah, like it's just there's just yeah the idea that it's not really a double isn't true. Yeah, they're under they're under just value the, massively. Even just results. those two points is huge. Even just getting those two points is massive. Um, and I think a lot of people don't appreciate that. And I think that's something that I've always like got into the trap of thinking whenever I play FPL as well. I think I've always undervalued the 
undervalued double game weeks and be too reluctant to take hits to get players in for those weeks for example yeah um it's because the ceiling as people say of the player is 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 great to begin with man mm-hmm. if you if you're basically yeah. getting those four points or whatever then that's a fantastic start right and it's an accumulation of mm-hmm. points this game and sometimes you do it through a small amount like attrition or whatever of, of, of points and just collecting them like that i mean when you take start to take hits from it starts to get questionable but <clears throat> if you can set up beforehand like we've got the opportunity to do so then I do think finding some of these double players like the Brighton guys <clears throat> is um, is key. But the Arsenal one's causing me drama because you touched on it there. Yeah, it's like I, I also had like Martinelli, Saka and Ben White in my team. I think that's quite common. Um, yeah. But their fixtures initially like don't look fantastic. Like they're not great yeah. compared to some of the other teams more than anything. Like you've got, obviously got Man United, you've got Chelsea that look a lot better. Um, their fixtures initially, but whether those teams were as good as Arsenal, it's obviously a, a massive debate. <clears throat> and then very quickly, you may need to then sell players to get Arsenal players for this double, and that's booking in fixtures. So mm. it's like, well, okay, do you just start with them? And you know, rather than say have a Mason Mount who's been questionable as a pick generally, um, you know, not one hundred percent sure of his role. The fixtures are great; he's got a double. It makes sense to have him. But then, if you're kind of booking in, maybe getting rid of Mount to then go back to Saka, you know, you've then also got the value lost potentially if you've got yep. Saka and you, you bought him at a particular price you know, it's not a straightforward one I would say it's not as easy as some of the other ones that are sort of painted for us it's like I'm debating whether just to start with Saka and just forget rid of Mount or do I go in and book the transfer in you know, Mitrovic is another one there right where a lot of people I think may be looking at someone else but then I personally think Mitrovic even though the fixtures go fairly bad for Fulham is just like kind of a season pick he's just a great option he's probably the best cheap striker I think Especially now Tony's yeah. got his, his his issue as well. It's like that's another one of his competition taken away. Where I think mm. you could just leave Mitrovic generally across the season and it's like more than viable. So then you're almost maybe booking a transfer to get Mitrovic back, then maybe Sacco back, and then already you're probably in trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting. Yeah, for me, Martinelli's the one that I'm almost 100% sure I'll have. Right. Um, See, I'm because not sure his... I'll have him. It's the... Oh, really? It's because mm. of his value for me and mm. like selling him to get him back and the amount I'd lose. I've already got really bad team value, um, so yeah, I, I, he's just—I think he's just ridiculously underpriced. So for me, it's more similar to what you've said about Mitrovic. Yeah. I'd kind of apply to Martinelli, but I also understand there's more alternatives in midfield. So Saka's the one that I'm more likely to—to to, probably about fifty-fifty on now. If I had to guess, I'd guess I don't have Saka. When but come Boxing Day, and I'd have someone like Mount or Trossard instead. Yeah. Uh, but not 100% <clears throat> sure on that. Yeah, it's, a, it's definitely a tricky decision when you take into account. Uh, yeah, the fact you might have to buy them back, like you said, but also like the alternative, if you go with Mount, he's such an interesting pick because he's been so poor this season in terms of FPL. And I think in general, if you talk to Chelsea fans, um, but like long term, we know he's a good asset, but they've also got doubles, but potentially under Potter, he's playing a more of a deeper role. But actually, do we know that's going to keep happening? Will there be more rotation under Potter? It's just a lot of, yeah, that can just, it feels really un- unpredictable to me. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, from, feel confident either way. With the Martinelli thing, I think I think a lot of us had him from the very beginning. So six million. He's now six point eight. So that's point four yeah. gained. But he's so he's six point four. So you gain your four if you sell him. But then if you were to go back to Odegaard, he costs six point four. Okay. So you could do the switcheroo where I mean his stats aren't too dissimilar, right? And it's yeah, it kind of makes sense where you could take Martinelli out for now because the fixtures aren't great utilize a mount or whoever you know whoever you want in that role whether whether fixture decent or rashford and then when you need to go back to arsenal 
if you would have lost the value and he's now 6.8 you can obviously then go to Odegaard at 6.4 which I just wouldn't yeah that's something you Uh, could do yeah definitely and I think Odegaard is like definitely a really viable asset now we've seen it long term enough now with his underlying data and also his output that he's he's now like a good pick I wouldn't have said the same last year Um, I just still wouldn't want to go without Martinelli because of his value like at that point I think I'd be more likely to want Odegaard and Martinelli for example again just because of the value yeah well on Odegaard I can't say it um (laughs) FPL review has liked him for a very long time hasn't it it's not just like a thing he suddenly started scoring yes that's great but FPL review was always very big on him and people were very sceptical as to why but his data has always (laughs) looked pretty damn good Um, yeah I think the other thing to consider is I mean Martinelli did go to the World Cup you Smith Rowe you know the reason why we didn't have Martinelli or people were reluctant at the beginning is Smith Rowe was a factor the season before. He's been out for most of the season. Will he become a factor? Yeah. It's probably overthinking at this point, but in the future maybe. I don't think anyone's really at and at Odegaard. I don't see him as a threat at all. Um, personally, mm-hmm. I know they've obviously got um, what's his face, Via. I can't remember his name now. Uh, but who's the guy that they use instead of him? Totally forgotten his name. Instead of um... yeah, he can play in the same position. The young kids. Oh god, someone remind me in the chat. He's not that young. Come from like Spain. Get no, 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 no. Begins with a V. Someone remind me in the chat. I'm getting old. Um, he can he can play. Yeah, you do know who I mean. I'm gonna have to go on the site now just to say. Oh, Vieira, Vieira. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, Fabio Vieira. Yeah, thank I you. Completely forgot about him. Yeah, <laughs> I was blanking as much as you. <laughs> totally forgot his name. Yeah, he he, yeah. he can play in his position, but I don't think it's really a threat at this point. Whereas Smith Rowe, I'd say, is, is at least a factor maybe later on. Martinelli's absolutely fine for now. Oh, I would say so. It's yeah. probably overthinking at this yeah. stage. <clears throat> um, okay, so. The other point that I was trying to make on on these doubles is Chelsea Chelsea and Liverpool are there in 21. I think a lot of people have got one, two Liverpool assets as it is, and they probably have the Chelsea ones. Is that just a business as usual? I don't think we need to focus too much on that, do we? I think our teams are probably kitted out for that. It is. Well, I think, yeah, sorry, yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, a lot of people do have one or two, don't they? Um, but it's very much one or two, like no one has three, <laughs> at least of anyone I've seen. No. Um and when I want to look at 21, so what the doubles would actually be. It says here 55% double game week 21, Liverpool-Chelsea. But Liverpool-Chelsea yeah. are already in 21 on the fixtures, so I don't know what that means to me. <laughs> Does that mean... Well, yeah. yeah, so I don't know who that actually means would actually go in there. So that was the point that I was like struggling to understand. But Yeah, um, interesting. I'm not who the double is. If anyone knows in the chat who the double would actually be there for either team, if it was to come into effect, oh, yeah. then let us know. Oh yeah, that's a really good point. I wonder, um, I wonder if that there's probably maybe one of that's a typo or not, or maybe it's us just misinterpreting it. Chelsea versus Chelsea Liverpool, 21, 55%. Yeah, I don't know. Or maybe they maybe there's potentially no because maybe they they play again. Have they played each other once already this season? They're, they're, maybe that's the... There'd be no chance, surely. They'd have a double where they, they both play each other <laughs> twice, home and away. Okay. I don't think that would okay. happen. <laughs> we can uh, chat with Rob, can't we? Let's skim, skimp uh, over that. Forget forget that. There's a reason for everyone to follow Rob and ask him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, right, okay. So double game weeks, I think we have to kind of factor them in. There's a reasonable enough chance that they will happen. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think maybe just for me the message is... Maybe if we can uh, yeah. fit Brighton as some of your edge pieces. Sorry, mate. So people say in the chat it would be they play each other twice. Would it? So it was postponed because of um, 
the Queen's funeral. Of course. So they've not played it at all. So it's potential that it would go in there. And yeah, they would play each other twice, both in the Premier League within a week. Wow. Okay. So, double header. That would be interesting. Not the best double for either team, but no. Yeah. I mean, uh, we were we were discussing. I think most people will have two or three Chelsea from the beginning, and probably two Liverpool in Nunes and Salah. Mm. Maybe, maybe, maybe one less, but it's far enough away, I guess, where you could probably cope with that. And ultimately, I don't yeah. think you need to smash into six in that particular. And if you scenario. feel like that, and if it becomes obvious there's a nailed defender, suddenly you've got a defender playing Liverpool twice, and they're probably going to well, they're going to get you four points minimum. You'd hope. Mm. So yeah, that's the thing, isn't it, with doubles? Okay, should we move on to? Let's bring up my team that I met. So this is the team. Hopefully, it goes on the screen. This is the team that you've probably seen absolutely everywhere on Twitter and everywhere. And I promise you, I made this team pretty much from the beginning. I think as soon as FPL ticked over, I kind of just like set my team. That's how I thought it would be and left it and came back and then just saw it all over FPL Twitter. Like as it's transformed, I've like maybe slightly tweaked bits and pieces. Um, I don't know if you've got that on your screen at all, Sam. I don't think I even sent it to you. But it's Darwin, Haaland and Marshall up front. That's standard across the board, I think. Maybe Mitrovic in place of Martial, but um, that's changed because Mitrovic is a slight bit of a doubt. So I think riding Martial for his first three fixtures is sensible. I think that striker could be a number of other guys, but he kind of makes sense to me. In midfield, Saka, Martinelli, Salah, Rashford and Pereira. Um, again, I think that's relatively standard. The one that I'd question is maybe Saka from the off or Martinelli from the off. Maybe change one of those to, to put in Mount or a Foden um, instead. That's the thought process there. And then at the back, I've got White, James, Cancelo, Trippier and Bueno uh, in defence. Um, I just mentioned I'm not overly sure about the Bueno pick, but you know if he's going to be last on the bench, maybe I can get away with it. The rest of them, Trippier, Cancelo, James, White, seem to be fairly standard across the board. I actually much prefer Gabriel to White. I do think White's stock went up a little bit towards the back end because he was actually starting to attack as a fullback a lot more often. So I think he's probably a little bit better than, than what we remember or could be. Um, but then I add to the fact that in a double game week, Tommy Asu's now looks like he's fully fit. So I wondered, like in yeah. a double game week, maybe White might miss one of the games, which would be sure. problematic. Whereas I think Gabriel's very likely to get both, and he's obviously does have a huge goal threat from from set pieces. We know that it's huge. Yeah, it is huge. Yeah. So I'm not. Like, I, yeah, I love owning Gabriel. He's great. Like, he just always hope when there's a corner. Absolutely. It's really fun if you're watching the match because they just always aim for him a bit like watching England, every single England set piece of the World Cup just always aimed at Maguire yeah. it always feels like it's, it's like that with Arsenal from, from whenever I watch them anyway yeah um, yeah so I think I think you're right in saying this is like a, a real template but maybe a template of a couple of days ago before like the maybe potential like Brighton mm. uh, news and I think that that makes a difference in terms of maybe trying to get Dunk or Sanchez in there and then there may be something that has to give so do you potentially downgrade for example James or Cancelo um, or do you go without Brighton and yeah, go white to Gabriel? Um, I've not seen any teams with like an Arsenal double up in defence. Have you considered that? No, but it's what I said before about if James doesn't particularly work out, I don't like what I'm seeing in terms of he's not playing. I don't really care what his output is because I'm, I'm more faith than, in that than than most people, I would say. But if, if he's now playing in a back four um, and uh, misses a game in a double because of his fitness issues or whatever, then suddenly I could swap swap down to Gabriel obviously I couldn't in this team because I've got Martinelli, Saka and White but if I was to take yeah. one of those guys out then I think Gabriel's an escape route for James that's the key thing isn't it it blocks a midfielder yeah yeah yeah. Um, it's not really worth it doesn't seem worth it in- Trippi is an interesting one do, do you think like because we've not discussed him yet do you think he's like an absolute must own or do you think because they don't double 
like it's short term you could go Trippier um, to know a second City defender there for example um, or someone else instead I think you can go someone else instead the problem I've got with it is the fact that first of all the values built up in him is massive um, yeah. I think that he is just a you know a great pick full stop if you ignore all those factors you know just playing for one of the best teams the fixtures are fine like he's been fine like there's no issue to get rid of him it's more like say there are alternatives that maybe can outscore him in the immediate future but then yeah. I, if I feel like I probably will go back to Trippier then I'm going to have to pay more for it and book in a transfer and I just don't care enough to therefore then make that a problem for me when I've got other problems in my team so I just leave him in there yeah that's yeah, probably a slight difference for me I don't have Trippier because of wildcarding in 13 and going without him which is very painful um, <laughs> I had Gabriel instead who most people didn't have and he did really well also but it was Creswell was the other one it was really frustrating but if there are any other people in the same situation as me it's likely to be for that same reason I don't think many other people would not have Trippier like that's where for us it's maybe a bit more viable to go without oh, yeah. we're spending a, lot, spending a lot of money to buy Trippier back um, we, we had to spend that money anyway eventually but it's just yeah, the fact we don't lose that, that value's already lost in him that's done Mm. So actually, for me, that might be where I save money, but it might be ongoing <laughs> pain of not having him because he's amazing. Like he's on his, he's even when they've got tougher fixtures, is his threat from set pieces as well. He's so attacking. It's the bonus yeah. as well, isn't it? He's always in the frame yeah, for bonus. bonus, and that's what I like about I like about him. And it's similar to yeah. Dallow, right? I think he's another option we haven't talked about too much. But if he was fit and viable with those fixtures, I think he'd be in a lot of teams as well. I think he certainly was mm. at the very start of the um, the template. Have you looked at um, like future game weeks and actually whether you'd end up benching Trippier at any time? Because, for example, when Fulham double, you'd want to start Andreas. Trippier might be the one that doesn't play. Yeah, I looked I looked at it briefly. I mean, in my head, I just had James Cancelo and Trippier are pretty much locks nearly every week. I mean, there's no reason why you wouldn't play them. And then White, you could utilise here and then alongside Pereira. And it's just, there are times when it would flip in and out. But because there were so many double game weeks, so again, I just come back to the squad of 15 so I don't have to make transfers. It's like... I can't see yeah. her ben- me benching him all that often. Um, I, you know, I know I know Trippy has managed to score points in every single game. Like you know, in games that people have benched him, he's managed to score points and stuff. It, it, he's not invincible. Like it, it will happen where he, where you should be benching him, um, and yeah. he won't get the points. It's, so I'm not too fearful of that. Um, he's got a lot of luck, hasn't he? He's been, he's been subbed off like twice as well when they've conceded and, and things like that. But yeah, I, I would. You know, I'm happy to bench Trippier if, the, if someone has got a better fixture, basically. Or I look at review and it suggests quite comfortably the Trippier is going to be on my bench. I've got no problem in doing so. Um, and mm. I will do it. Um, just to finish it off, I have Kepper and Ward in goal. That's just basically the two cheapest viable keepers. And obviously Kepper with the fact he's got a double. That's pretty much why they're in there. I'm going to move on to... So this is the team I've done since, which I'm not... I don't know. I don't know if I'm happy to go with it or not because there's a big sacrifice for me, which is losing Cancelo which I think I'm seeing more and more now people are, are looking at doing that because of the sheer money that you can save. It does improve the team overall, but is it mm. worth losing out on Cancelo? That's my debate. So, Ooh, mate. Just, yeah, so just, just, just to reiterate for anyone listening on a pod, it's the same front three of Darwin, Haaland and Martial. I've still got Pereira, Rashford, Salah, Saka. So Foden is in for Martinelli, um, which you could debate. Some people would say is not an upgrade. I 
personally think it probably is, but it's for Man City's fixtures and the doubles and stuff. Alternatively, one of those Saka or Foden can be Mount, and then I switch to one of those two guys. It doesn't necessarily need to be those two. That's just the money I've, I've got tied up in there to show to show it. So it could be Mount and Foden, or it could be Saka and Mount, for example, there. But it, it gives you that extra 8 million slot because it's not just about now. Like Having that price set up means you could maybe then move to a Madison later on when the fixtures get good or whatever. You know that I've got that extra money in that slot rather than Martinelli, who's a little bit cheaper. People, again, people may say, well, Martinelli, you can go to Albron. There are there are options around that as well. So it's not like you definitely need it, but I like it at the moment with the fixtures and the way it works. And then in defence, um, so Bueno has changed to Dunk. We've talked about that as to why that would be a thing. It's still got Trippier, White, James, but Cancelo's gone to Walker. Um, yeah, that's the big one. And the same goalkeepers. I've had other alternatives, like I'm sure everyone's done, where I've managed to get Gabriel instead of White as well by maybe not having Foden there and keeping Martinelli and just upgrading the goalkeeper as well. So it would go back to having Martinelli in place of Foden. I'd have Gabriel in place of White and then I could change Ward to either an Edison or someone like that and have Triple City that way. And that's favoured by review, actually, Edison and Kepa. It's just... I don't know if I can spend that much on goalkeepers. It just seems crazy to spend that much, but mm. he really likes it. So, yeah, the main thing is, is losing Cancelo down to a walker is, is what I've gained here worth that? And it's very tricky for me to work out. Mm. Um, you love Cancelo like me, don't you? So it's so tricky for us. Yeah, I do really like him, yeah. I'm just wondering, if, can you not do, if you do Saka to Foden instead of Martinelli to Foden, can you still not afford Cancelo? No, I can't afford Cancelo. No. He's like seven, he's seven, I got him at seven, yeah, I think he's he is, 7.2 or something like that. It does feel really risky with me because it's not, as you've said before, is a Kanji and Stones can also play right back as well. Mm. Um, I, th- I think I quite like it. It's just like how it's going to impact you long term because ultimately you are going to have to buy Cancelo and you're not going to be wild cardy anytime soon. So, uh, this is this is because you really want Foden, isn't it? Basically, well, it doesn't have to be Foden. Like I say, it can be Madison, it can dunk. be Mount. It's also it, getting dunked as well. Yeah, so it's getting dunked for the doubles and having a better bench. So that's the main area. And then, you know, I don't have to have someone over Martinelli because like we say, 21 Arsenal double, it's a great double. I might want Martinelli back for that. It's more about having the money to play with now and therefore having, you know, yeah, a Mount or a Foden as well as a Saka, um, essentially. So not having to sacrifice, having two two 8 million mids rather than just the one because my current setup would have one. Because I still think there are a lot of 8 million mids. It's Kulazewski, you know, we've been through them all season, but there are a lot around that price. I still really like Madison after the first couple of game weeks. Yeah. He's good. Um, in yeah. His, in his, um, were you considering this before Diaz got injured? Yeah, I was considering it before Diaz got injured. Yeah. I, the thing we can the, the reason I asked The reason I asked that is just because obviously that makes Akanji more needed at centre back. Therefore, it improves all the defence's potential minutes, doesn't it? Yeah, so, I mean, we I can just move on to Man City now because it makes sense, I guess, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. to talk about it. Um, the thing with the Kanji, he has, he has played right back, but very quickly, as soon as Stones was back, uh, Pep didn't use a Kanji at right back anymore. He used Stones at right back and brought a Kanji into the mm-hmm. centre. And that's because, although a Kanji's done far better than what most expected as a player who essentially came into cover for a load of injuries, and he's looked very good, he has, He's also been caught out of position a few times and he isn't the most mobile. And at right back, there was a couple of times where he got quite heavily exposed. I don't think mm. you'll see a Kanji at right back again. Like, it would have to be... Uh, he's basically the third choice there. You've got Walker first, then you've got Stone second, 
and then you've got Akanji third for me. So I think Akanji is more likely to play at centre-back. However, I think Stones is probably ahead of him there as well. It's very tricky to gauge because we've already just mentioned the England players have only just come back. You know, Stones came on as a sub for Akanji in the League Cup game. I essentially think Akanji is just a slightly worse version of Stones. You know, they basically can play the same positions. He's just not as good. Stones yeah. is Stones is a little more injury prone, but I, it's tricky. It's tricky to work out because Akanji has played virtually every game in the Premier League since he came in. But there's a lot of circumstance behind that as to why that may have happened. He is the most versatile in terms of he can also play the left centre back role. He has played that as well. So he can play both centre-back roles and the right-back role. But I don't think he's the best yeah. in any of those three positions. Yeah. So, and what's yeah. his price, Akanji? I think he's five. Do you think he's... Yeah, so you think if you're going to go with a replacement for Cancelo, you might as well go with Walker? Yeah, I think Walker's, I think Walker's the first choice right-back. I don't think that's ever really changed. Um, Walker's getting on a bit. Um, and there are some games where he might want to tactically change things simply because... The other issue we've got, right, is the fact that Ake is just so good. Like, Ake has become such a good player. Like, yeah. Laporte would easily be the choice at left centre-back because I think he is favoured. He is just, like, all-round probably the best defender in all areas in terms of passing, just everything. He, he is probably the, the best the best pick. But Ake is pushing, pushing him so much at the moment. He's probably just a little bit less good at passing that that becomes a problem in that spot. So then, OK, do you want to use Ake at left-back because he's very good there? I mean, we saw... Man, United, uh, Man City struggle versus Salah every single time Cancelo at left back and although Salah still scored in the League Cup I was at the game I thought Ake did a decent job on Salah overall in that in that corner mm-hmm. like certainly better than Cancelo has done in the past versus him like a lot better so could you use Ake at left centre back to play Cancelo at right back where I mean let's not forget that is really Cancelo's original position mm-hmm. um, and therefore Walker's threat is more hidden because Cancelo could then move up because Aki's been so good. Does that does that make sense? Yeah. So they are the bottom line for me is they are all a risk. Like everyone asks me the question for a reason because they know they're a risk. So if you're going for any of the, any other defender apart from Cancelo, who by the way may not start the first game, right? He's not even played a game yet. Coming back from Portugal, he was on the bench for the League Cup game, didn't come on. So there's no guarantee he actually plays Leeds. You you are running the risk of your player not playing. It's as simple as that. It doesn't matter who you pick. I think of all of the options, the fact that Walker is the first choice right back when fit and everything we've seen, he probably gives you the best. The fact that he's also the cheapest helps. So for me, I think it's Cancelo, it's Walker, and then they probably, I wouldn't risk anyone else personally. Like, yeah. Like, I just don't think it's worth it. You know, for me, the, the first choice centre back partnership is Laporte and Stones. Like, I, I, if you ask me now, Cancelo's left back, Walker's right back, Laporte and Stones in the centre. But we know that in a, you know, he will change it up on opponent and he will, in a double game week, he has mentioned specifically Stones. He can't play games three days apart sometimes. You know, he has done it many times before. I mean, he's done it for England just just a mi- like just not so long ago. He's done it in the past a lot of the times as well. But again, it comes back to the Reese James thing. It's not that he can't do it. It's the fact that you are running the risk of him picking up an injury again because he, he does a lot. Um, yeah, that's probably a long-winded way, way of saying that I just don't trust any of them. I think if you were going to say, right, I'm going to pick a centre-back, I don't want Walker, then I would I would go for Stones just because I think he is better. And he's cheap enough where you can get away with it. I personally wouldn't touch a Kanji. Yeah. And Laporte, Laporte's great, but he's too expensive. And Aki's just so damn good, man. <laughs> I just keep seeing yeah. him come in. It's a nightmare for me for my predictions because every week, that used to be something last season where the defence was fairly settled and you'd have to worry about the rest of the team. Now you have to worry about every single defensive slot apart from Cancelo as well. It's, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting. It's really tricky. Um, yeah. You've got me thinking about Walker now. 
I mean, he's, oh. I see him. I see him being picked quite a lot, um, actually, in certain circles. And yes, you lose you lose something with Cancelo. I know his data's not been great, but we all know that Cancelo can do it. And there are certain games where Cancelo is put in a position where he is basically the left winger or pretty much up front. Like it doesn't happen every game, but there will be games where that happens. Um, yeah. And that will be terrifying. He also is pretty good on the bonus. So he does offer a little bit more. But overall, his underlying data is not its not good enough, I would say, where you could say that it's worth the extra two, was it, what is it, 2.5 million nearly or something now, or 2.2 yeah. over Walker. Yeah, that is a big saving. Like, if you want to improve the rest of your squad and you're looking for where to downgrade and, and where to do it, I think Cancelo is probably the obvious option. Interesting. But Fair. I don't like it because yeah. I'm Cancelo's biggest fanboy and I've had him the entire time. It would make, you know, it'd be typical to have him the entire time and him not really perform. And then eventually you, you give in and go, do you know what? I'm not going to have him. And then suddenly he just. Funny pointer. Yeah, he just turns into. Boxing day. <laughs> to Cancelo. Like, I'm fully expecting that to happen. But. Um, yeah, I, th- I think I think I've made made the case, I guess, and I suppose. Imagine a miserable game of Monopoly with your family <laughs> after after Cancelo yeah. just got twenty points and have to sit there and pretend to be happy. Yeah, I'm just going <laughs> to sit in jail for the entire time and not even bother trying to roll it. Up. it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's. It, I mean, you have to be. I think people have talked about this in mindset before, but to have a team like this that I've got in front with the likes of Foden and Walker, you have to be a person of that mindset that when they do miss out because it will happen that you can cope with it that you can cope with it the rest, you've got the bench you don't mind the one pointer because you know that you know next week you could get a 15 pointer you know yeah. that that's what you have to have in your in your mind it, it, you can't be one of these people who I mean Foden was essential we may as well talk about Foden while we're here as well Foden was pretty much essential everyone was saying he played 13 games in a row in the Premier League yeah. um you know scored a hat trick in one of the games I think they were working out how they used him with Haaland and eventually towards the end of that run we saw that getting him very close to Haaland uh, basically as a shadow striker was the best way to utilise him and suddenly it looked like he had massive potential. Then he was benched three games in a row um, out of the blue almost. Um, you could say yeah. that some of that was tactically tactical but there's theories that obviously he's annoyed him in some way. I mean it could be any of those things. Um probably is something that he's done to annoy Pep he wasn't particularly good in the Liverpool game just before it so I wouldn't be surprised if he utilised some blame on him I mean the thing with Foden is he gives the ball away um, more than some of the other options like he doesn't give the ball away a lot he's a top tier player but compared to the likes of Grealish and stuff like that you know yeah. in terms of the control Man City's issue at the moment is the transitions you know they get they, they lose the ball and then they concede a goal because they've basically not been able to keep possession of the ball. And if you have a Grealish over a Foden, you keep possession of the ball more often, you stop that. So it's almost a victim of, yeah. of being too good and, and trying to be too incisive, I guess, Foden. So you could look at that in the Liverpool game and then think, OK, he's, he's not using him for those three games. He then brought him back in and he was fantastic. He was great for England. You know, I, I was at the game the other night for the League Cup when he was brought in for the last 20 minutes. Something people probably don't realise. Like, I don't know whether you saw it on the TV because I haven't seen it. His pressing is ridiculous. And yes, he was fresh when he came on, so that might be part yeah. of it. But he was hassling the goalkeeper straight away, running around, all buzzing right up. I know he's playing as the false nine in that game. But I don't look at it as a as like a negative thing to say, well, Foden's now just suddenly going to be benched because he still offers far something different to all the other options. And I think at that price, given his underlying data, is still pretty damn good. Um, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised, put it that way, if in seven, eight weeks, you know, people are saying Foden's essential again because he's just scored so many goals and been involved in so much stuff with Man City. Like, I don't really yeah. care about the three benchings particularly, but I can cope with that mentally. That's what I'm saying. I can say, well, okay, I'll take a bench if it happens. 
you know he'll come in and he'll still be a great option whereas some people if you're just not of that mindset and you just can't handle it and you just want a secure pick then obviously you don't 100% go phone I think he'll play the vast majority if not all the games I'll be honest I always do yeah. though no, that's really interesting I guess the, the fact we're even having this discussion about how many Man City there options there are or the fact there are at least three or four viable ones outside of De Bruyne is why I'd assume you've got Salah over De Bruyne like for me for me personally I, I prefer Salah anyway um, just because of his long term data Liverpool's attack still being good how nailed he is etc but it's the fact there's, there's no one else I'm never going to have the, the risk of wanting three other Liverpool players at the moment anyway Yeah. whereas that's what makes Salah instead of De Bruyne really easy for me because I can get Salah I'm not going to I'm going to have Darwin as well. And then there's a space there if I suddenly then want Trent or Robertson, etc. Whereas if I go De Bruyne, I don't know, for example, De Bruyne, Haaland, Cancelo, suddenly I have no way of getting Foden or De Bruyne, Haaland, Foden, triple attack. And suddenly they, you know, I really want a defender. I can't do it. And so, yeah, for me, that's uh, actually quite an easy decision, to be honest. Yeah, I'm with you. The The De Bruyne one, like, just alongside Foden as well. De Bruyne has missed the game as well versus Forest. He was tactically benched in that game as well for a reason because they played two up front versus Forest in that game and De Bruyne yeah. suffered. So he's, De Bruyne's played two more games than Foden. So it's not like massive considering there is a 4.2 or 4.3 million difference. You know, yeah. I don't we don't I don't care about points. It's all about the underlying data is very similar, but there's 14 points different for them. So that extra money that you can use if you're not going to captain De Bruyne, I don't see how that doesn't work out long term. I get just having the best Man City pick for the doubles in terms of the midfield and rolling with it and it could work out fine in that period. But I think long term it's not an option to really keep him over Salah. I think Salah's just well above him. I don't really like De Bruyne as a pick over. He's like my favorite probably my favorite player in the league. Like I love the guy. It's nothing against him at all. It's just the fact that um, he also, you know, the, the debate there as well is that you can use Salah as a captain in an alternative game. You, I, I'd struggle to see yeah. the time when you would use yeah. De Bruyne as a captain over Haaland. Like that would pretty much never happen. Um, you know, unless yeah. Haaland's out. So I just don't really like De Bruyne as a fantasy pick. Like overall, I don't yeah. think he's a great, great purchase. But I do see, like I say, that for the Man City, got the most games. They've got doubles. He is the most nailed midfield pick. Fine, I think that's cool. But I think. If you start to look at De Bruyne versus Foden and stuff like that, it's not quite the, the full picture. Or like in that in that competition, I think Foden wins just based on the value and like I said, what you can do elsewhere. And when you compare him to Salah, I think Salah wins. So I don't think there's really a spot for De Bruyne personally. Yeah, and it's the fact that price is pretty much the same now as well. Mm. With De Bruyne going from price, Salah going down. For those of us who still have Salah, you know, we suddenly lose loads of value. And well, in fact, we don't lose value in Salah, but we're paying. It's, it's the same amount we're paying. Uh, to then get De Bruyne um, instead of Salah. It's not like a couple of seasons ago or last season where you're saving a million to get De Bruyne and something that allows you to have Darwin, for example, or, or allows you to have Cancelo over Walker. It's not even that there's a saving there anymore. So, yeah, I, I think I'm really surprised the amount of drafts I've seen with, with De Bruyne in them. Like, I get, like, and obviously we're not going to be surprised if De Bruyne holds multiple times. No, but it's more, it. yeah. it's the big picture of your whole team. Uh, that's it and it's hidden it's because it's it's of the armband right it's very hard to you know first week say Foden's benched this week because he's not even played a game started um, that could easily happen he's only just come back from England De Bruyne's clearly in the team at the moment and playing De Bruyne gets 10 points Foden's on the bench everyone will say well that's the argument done but it, but it's not the picture is it it's what you yeah. it's what carries on from there um, and the impact I just wanted to touch on a few things as well Man City the Champions League for Man City I don't think starts for is it like another month I think or something like that uh, it's a reason- I'm not sure. It's, not a, sure. it's a reasonable amount of time, anyway, before the yeah. before the Champions League starts. I think it's in February. 
Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. 22nd of February, I'm just going to look up now. I think that's right. So that's quite a long time away. I know they have League Cup and FA Cup and stuff, but I think at that point, there's a different conversation to be had with the rotation. But until then, basically, you can largely ignore some of that, I think. I also add what I mentioned about Foden and the transitions, right? A lot of the teams that they played against in that free game period were teams that break very, very fast on Man City. When I look at their fixtures now, first of all, the Leeds game, that's just usually a basketball game, and he actually often plays 4-4-2 in that game. He's dropped De Bruyne two out of the last three times they've played Leeds. Right? They've played like a variant of 4-4-2. I don't think it's going to happen this time, simply because they don't have many players available, and De Bruyne is there and he's playing, so I don't think that will happen, because De Bruyne did actually play in the 7-0 win over them. But the other two games, De Bruyne was put on the bench versus Leeds. So there's that. The yeah. fact that they've then got Everton, I would say there's not much danger of them being a team that pacely counter on you particularly well, that he's going to be worried enough where he would want to play a Grealish over a Foden because he's so concerned over the control. And I look through the rest of their fixtures, I don't think Chelsea necessarily fit that. I think Foden would play in that big game. I don't think he would not yeah. use him in that game. You know, you've got the, the ones where you think, okay, maybe it's like Man United, but he's done very well against Man United before. And Spurs... You know they they do fit that bill of being able to counter pretty quickly. They're pretty much made up to do it. Outside that, the other teams I think are fine, like Wolves, Villa. You know, it, I think they're all teams where I would expect Foden to be playing personally. So I think it's less yeah. of a worry. Yep. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, in terms of, I don't know, should we just move on to forwards to finish? Do you think? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I feel like we've covered a lot of the defence midfield. We talked a lot about the Arsenal options. We talked about Foden now. Rashford we touched on earlier when we talked about United's uh, attack in the World Cup. Um, yeah, Mount we've touched on as well. So in terms of forwards, Haaland's obviously we don't need to discuss him. Get him in, captain him, Boxing Day as well, or a couple of days after. Um, it's the other two that are interesting. Now, I because but for my team because budget's more of an issue. <laughs> I for a while I had a team without Darwin, and I don't think he's as much of a no-brainer as you um, think he is, Luke. Um, because of what the money might allow you to do elsewhere. Mm-hmm. But I've gradually, over the last couple of days, when I've just, every time I look at its underlying data and see that it's similar to Haaland's, it just scares me. And the key thing with that is that Darwin, like his finishing's been really poor since he's been at Liverpool. But actually, if you look at his long-term data, he's not really a bad finisher um, either. Like he's he's fine. And I, and I think it's, it's unlikely we'll see that uh, that trend continue. And then we saw it. Was it game week sixteen or fifteen? Yeah, sixteen. Yeah, he went. He scored two. Did he scored a brace or a goal and an assist? And had a really good game. I think it was two goals. Yeah, like, so I there couldn't will afford be... him because of Trent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was not point one off of Mitro to Darwin. Yeah, painful. Anyway, um, so that there will be games where he'll explode. We've seen that already. Like, and at nine, he could end up being like the value of a, a actually be better valued at twelve, for example. So I think he's really worth going to going forward with their fixtures at the moment and just, it's just with the guaranteed minutes now isn't it now the team's going to be worse without Jota and Firmino but the fact you know he's going to play every week is huge um, so I, I like Darwin now and I'm pretty certain he's going to be in my team I'm going to find downgrade downgrade elsewhere to get him in um, but I also really like the Martial pick as well but there's a few more there that are interesting like Mitro we've touched on he's on the yellow card he's potentially not playing this weekend but long term I prefer him to Martial I think Wilson's interesting and I don't think Obviously, Isaac's coming back, but I think Wilson's he's such a good player in terms of how regularly he scores when he plays. I don't think he's his minutes will be at risk unless he gets injured, but that's always a risk with him. Um, and for me, and Ketty is the other one I've heard people discuss. I would just I just wouldn't risk it with him again for a similar reason where there's lots of other viable Arsenal assets to get him in and then suddenly realize he's not going to be playing every week if he isn't going to be. 
uh, is seems really risky. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he does play regularly and could end up being a nice pick. But I just think it's too risky when you've got Martial with like three great fixtures, for example. Yeah, I think Enkentia will play. I think there's no doubt there for personally for me. I think mm. he he's got credit in the bank as well. I think when he played previously, he did fine. The makeup of the team might have it might have an effect on the makeup of the team. You know, he's he's obviously he's more of a. Um, Jesus's all-round game is better, isn't it? That's the thing. It has, probably has a more positive impact on the rest of the players around him than Nketiah would. But I think Nketiah as an individual um, can score goals. He, like He's absolutely fine. So mm. I, I do like him as a pick. It's just what you've touched on there. I think that Arsenal's fixtures to begin with aren't the very, very best. There's alternative options and then some, there are other options all over the Arsenal team. So it's like tricky to, to, to use one of those on Nketiah, which you know, ultimately you are booking a transfer, I guess, even though it could be it's going to be months and months potentially. So yeah, that's that's my thoughts around that. I, I like I like Wilson. He's still, I mean, non penalty xG. He's right up there. Like again, as he always yeah. is. He's, he always has been. Yeah, absolutely. And he's. I'm just looking now. So um, he's fifth in the entire league for non penalty xGi. Um, this is all positions in the Premier League. So mm. he's got penalties as well. You yeah. Know, with him, it's always about fitness. The games are fine. So he's more than viable. Like if you if you didn't want to go to Darwin, you did you know you can't afford Darwin. I think Wilson's the one that you'd probably go to there. To be honest with you, in that slot, and then spread the yeah. money. I don't have a problem with that. <clears throat> we know that you're probably buying an injury, but I guess you you worry about that later. I just yeah. I personally like you, Darwin. I mean, let's Darwin's one on that list. So that's the difference, and the fact that Liverpool. Um, you know, we we just looked at their data. Although both teams are very good in terms of their xG, Liverpool's is is better. You know, they generate it more often. So basically, I'm getting a player who's better statistically and their team is better. And fixtures, I'd say, are quite comparable. I don't think there's too much in it. So therefore, I'll, I'll, I'll go with Darwin now whilst I can. And then later on, if Jota and Firmino and everyone's back and viable and it's not particularly working, I know I can always downgrade to Wilson like in the yep. future. Whereas if you go the other way around, set up your team, put Wilson in, Darwin goes mental or something like that, and then it's a struggle to to, to rectify it all. If you, if, I mean, if you want to, obviously. Um, so yeah, yeah, I prefer to go that way. Yeah, I get that completely. I think um, within within Katia, though, Arteta's spoke in press conferences about the fact he's considered playing Martinelli as a striker. So I think, like, I think he'll play on Boxing Day, and I think he'll start there. But you know, if it doesn't go well, I wouldn't be surprised if he suddenly loses his place, and then you're in a pickle. Um, like, I, I think he will start. Um, and with um, if people are going without Darwin, like I think I think Mitro plus um, yeah Wilson or Martial, are, yeah any any two of those three are, are good options. And yeah, I particularly yeah, I particularly like Martial's next three fixtures. They're really really good. And I think I think he'll play at least I think he'll start at least two of those three. I'm not that confident of three starts. Okay, no, fair yeah. enough. Um... <laughs> I just called him Haiku, so I'm going to say that again. It's not your name, and I apologise. I can't say, say, say it. Like, Haiku you? That might be the way to say it. He said, wouldn't you get Cancelo instead of Walker if you downgrade Saka to Martinelli and Rashford to Almiron? Surely one United attacker is enough, and Almiron EO will be high. Um, no, that's that's viable. I don't really care about EO. I'll put that out there straight away. That doesn't really bother me. Um, it, it's something I have looked at, but to me, Rashford's three games are so good that I, I think I have to ride them. So straight away, I again, if I start with Rashford, I can go down to Almiron after those three days if I really want to. So that's why I haven't done that. Saka and Martinelli, I just, 
I really prefer Saka. Like I love Martinelli, but the, I just think Saka's so damn good. And on the set pieces and penalties, I don't think we've seen what is potentially possible for him. I think there are going to be games in the future where the double, there's going to be huge double-figure hauls because he's just going to have his general good game where maybe he gets an assist or a goal or something and then he just ends up getting lucky, you know, gets two penalties in a game or something like that. And I just, I really want to be on him for that. I think he, I think that's why I really like him. The value-wise, I can't, I can't complain. I can't, um, yeah, argue with it. But I think potential-wise, I think Saka's potential is, is huge. Um, we haven't really seen it. So really, it's, yeah, do I lose enough? We're back to that conversation with the Cancelo Walker. So yeah, it's an option, but I just I much prefer Rashford to Elmer for now, and I I do prefer Saka to Martinelli. Maybe that's some bias there from me, but yeah, because if you look at long term data and like long term underlying data, they're pretty similar in terms of yeah. their non penalty non penalty expected goals and assists. Yeah, and Odegaard but... as well, right? Is is right up there yeah. as well? You see, so. Mm. Yeah, it might it might not make a difference, but I I can't I don't think I would be prepared not to go with Rashford for for three games. I don't think that would be a thing. I want to at least see how that rides out. Um, yeah, it could, I mean Rashford's the kind of player where he could easily just hit three twos in those games. I know the fixtures are great, but obviously the fact that he doesn't have the penalties, as far as we know, he doesn't have any set pieces. You know, you are very much relying on on those you know in play attacking returns. He's not really going to score from a set piece. Well, he could score from a free kick. We've seen them. He's been pretty good. But in terms of like beyond the end of a set piece or something like that, I don't really think that's particularly his game either. So you are kind of relying on that, and that's not always a nice position to be in. But um, you mentioned Almiron in the same breath, and he's pretty much been doing that all all season, <laughs> just doing exactly that, scoring goals like that from open play. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. There's someone who's just mentioned there. You could go for Malt for the first few and then move to Saka for the double. Yeah, that's exactly what I'd probably do in that team. To be honest, I'd probably start with Mount and have the money in the bank to go to Saka. Um, yeah, I'm just putting it there because long term, that's kind of the team. I should have put Mitrovic instead of Martial as well to show that long term, that's where I'd want to aim. But I don't want to book too many transfers in. Yeah, sure. Interesting. Um, I think it's a wrap, isn't it, Sam? Anything else you want to say? Yeah, I'm just looking through the questions, but I think a lot of them we've already answered as we've gone um, there. And the same for the, the questions that we had on Twitter beforehand. We've, you know, there's a lot of the same things uh, coming up. And I think we've answered them already. Um, also, I, I'm, I think that is a wrap, yeah. Okay, if anyone's got any other questions, they can quickly put them in. There's a bit of a delay, so it might come up while we're chatting. But um, thanks for joining us in the live chat, guys. We had around 50 people, I think, 55, 60 people. So that's good. It's Christmas Eve. So I appreciate it a lot. You know, my kids are downstairs just like <laughs> watching movies. Just don't, they don't know who their dad is at this point. But um, <laughs> it was a sacrifice worth making. I took them to Man City the other day. So, you know, they can, they should be thankful, right? So, um, yeah. So I think that's, that's just about it. I can't see other questions rolling through. So thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Uh, we'll be back as regular, hopefully. Um, Sam, you going on any more expeditions? Maybe that's the thing, or <laughs> no? I'm around quite a lot the next few months. Lovely, um, which is good. But I don't know how much. Yeah, I'll just say follow us on Twitter, and we'll keep you up to date to how much we pod during this period. Because obviously, there's it's very congested in terms of fixtures. So, mm. but it will still be regular. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks to everyone who joined, and I hope you all have a merry Christmas. Absolutely, that's the main one. Have a good Christmas, guys, and we'll see you on the other end. Good luck with whatever choices you make. 